Hello everyone, welcome to Behind the Scenes in Health podcast. This podcast is a show where we are focused on finding out what happens behind the scenes in the healthcare industry. We focus on Nigeria, Africa and the diaspora. A lot of persons do not have an idea of the sheer grit and determination that goes on with building healthcare, starting from training in school to building healthcare businesses. My name is Ronald Kelechi, we are popularly known as Dr. Ron. I am a medical doctor with a postgraduate degree in clinical anatomy. I'm currently pursuing another in health informatics. I'm interested in healthcare technologies, innovation, informatics, and health content creation. By the side, I run MRI Medic, a company focused on helping healthcare companies tell their brand stories. Join me on the show as I interview and have chats with experts across the healthcare space including players in health technology, seasoned clinicians, finance experts, and healthcare professionals who have veered off the practice. It is my hope that with this podcast, we will shed light on some of these great areas and hopefully inspire the next generation of healthcare professionals, one conversation at a time. On today's episode, of the show, I'll be having a chat with um, Anthony Imare, who is a pharmacist that successfully transitioned from pharmacy practice to becoming an information analyst. He'll be sharing a lot of tips, a lot of tricks, and generally his journey on how he came to where he is today. So as usual, sit back and enjoy the episode. We are live and um, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another <coughs> episode on our live chat series. And um, this evening, we'll be talking with uh, Anthony Imari, um, who is an information analyst. And I mean, a lot of you guys have been asking me, can a pharmacist uh, you know, transition into information analyst? And I decided to bring somebody to come and share his experience because it's usually better to hear from those who have skin in the game. So that's why we're here today. So I'll leave Anthony to introduce himself, even though I've mentioned the name. So Anthony, yeah. what's new? Hello, everyone. My name is Anthony Ehimare. Um, uh, I'm a pharmacist by profession, but I'm currently working as an information analyst with the NHS here in the UK. Um, I'm a Nigerian that migrated to the UK for a master's course um, in health informatics in 2021. Um, just finished in 2022. And uh, yeah, here we are. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much for that very uh, brief introduction. So I think my first question is, what was your motivation or what motivated you to make the transition from pharmacy to information analysis yeah i think it's quite simple and it's it goes along with the trend we are seeing globally how health i mean technology is disrupting every single sector from you know finance to healthcare every single sector has been disrupted by technology and for for some of us who've you know practiced in in Nigeria a developing country 
I was it was very easy for me to see the benefits of you know technology, how technology could impact healthcare in Africa, you know, especially in the pharmacy sector in Nigeria. It's a peculiar is a peculiar um, situation we have there. So having practiced there for a couple of years, I could see some um, you know deficits and places where we could you know use technology to improve our care and service in healthcare. So that was basically what motivated me really and it was also what motivated me to study my master's course in health informatics and to also learn some you know skills that i'm using to work today so it wasn't really probably because maybe you were tired of clinical pharmacy and all of that no not really not really because it i knew a lot of persons who do this uh, transition from uh, you know healthcare to another part of health tech really most of them say they're tired they're tired they're tired just so i mean looking at your current role now i mean how do you apply your knowledge of pharmacy in your current role as an information analyst very interestingly my current role is a um, pharmacy information analyst so I'm particularly working with pharmacy data, like in in the hospital you know, where I'm in. And it's quite relatable because having studied pharmacy and, you know, being employed to do things related to you know, improving pharmacy services in, you know, within the hospital and to, you know, like cut down cost of medications that are being used, improve you know, patient healthcare in line, even though you're trying to cut down, yeah. cut down cost and all that. So having all those knowledge, knowing the right, you know, medications to, you know, it just helps improve the interventions you can proffer to, to the management. So that's, it's been really interesting and it's been really helpful, you know, having so, studied pharmacy and then being involved with in this position. That's quite interesting. So, I mean, so that means the the learning curve is not so deep because it's something you're already used to so you're now applying it to whatever you're doing at the moment exactly i mean if there was if there's a learning curve to this you know at all is you know learning the technology itself like okay information analyst is basically data analyst right yeah. and you know learning the tools you use on a day-to-day -to, -day to be able to get that information out to you know pass to your manager and be like okay this is what we need to do regarding so so you know you know intervention and all that is what has really been it it's just the learning the technology you know and trying to improve your skills you know on a daily basis that's just been the the hard, hard thing about it so thank God you even mentioned the technology because I was also coming to that part. I mean, so what what tools do you use or are necessary to become a successful um, pharmacy information analyst? Okay, I'll generalize this to the NHS for just for the benefit of you know our viewers and people who may be wanting to you know get apply for jobs or similar roles. The most important tools, you know, that are used in, within the NHS and in organization are, are just simple. They are the Microsoft Microsoft tools, SQL, 
you know, Power BI, Excel, as simple as Excel may sound or be. You know, those are majorly the tools we use. And then the, the, the few legacy systems with regards to the electronic health, health records that are being used in each of the hospitals, you know, those are basically what are required. So if, if for people who have prior knowledge of, you know, using Excel, it's a major step, it's a major um, skill to have, you know, SQL as well, um, Power BI, which is quite new and is being adopted in many of the NHS institutions. You know, those are the major tools we use. Although in my institution, we use um, one of the Microsoft um, softwares as well, um, the, the Microsoft Analysis Services, which is otherwise known as SSRS. Okay. Right? SSRS, um, the SSMS, which we majorly use for our databases. And um, yeah, basically that's it. So looking at, I mean, these tools now, the way you're calling them, the sound, they, I don't know, are they difficult to learn? Um, it's, yes, not difficult per se. It all depends on the perspective. Now, so what, what I would usually tell people who ask me this question is, if you have the interest, you can learn all these things. And the proper, if you have proper guidance as well. Right, technology. From what I've seen, there is a bit of confusion to it. A lot of people, especially new newcomers, they look at it and they're like, "Oh, it looks so difficult." Especially because of what people talk about and everything, because of the big terms and all the yeah. you know tech language and everything. But it's quite simple, to be honest. It just depends on what you want to use it for. If you know exactly what you want to use it for, then it's very easy for you to get a directed um, you know, approach to it. Like for example, if you wanted to become a master of Excel, you know, in one week, you can you can do that. You know, if you know the right sources, if you know the right things to do, like for example, what is mostly used, like within many of the places I've worked and I've used Excel in, is pivot they are pivot tables right okay. v lookups right data validation conditional formatting you know how to you know write the basic formulas the sum some ifs if error you know formulas and all that so if you know those basic basic things you'll be able to deal with almost any excel problem right okay. and in data analysis too using power bi Power BI is something that is quite simple, but yeah, it do, it does take a, a while to learn it. So if maybe at the end of this um, program, I could probably drop some resources where people yeah, could learn. Yeah, could learn Power BI easily, even on YouTube. On YouTube, there are <clears throat> very good free resources you know that you can use. Data Camp, Data Camp is where I mostly learn from, and they teach you know data data analysis skills to in fact this this they break it down and if you're able to get an account in data camp you can get a lot of you know learn a lot of skills very easily there i really like the way they organize their tutorials they sometimes organize it like a career track so you can okay. start from the basic introduction then the, you learn all the basic steps up to the most complex you know things you may need you know in terms of that technology stack and there's a 
a track like that for Power BI. There's a track like that for SQL. There's a track like that for even Excel, you know, and DataCamp. So, and yeah. DataCamp has a free, free three months um, subscription for students, right? Okay. So students can, you know, get a three months subscription on DataCamp and learn then from there. So it all depends. It just depends on the persons who wants to learn their willingness to learn. Really, if you're really, okay. and then you could put in those, you know, efforts within a week, two weeks, you would your confidence on, you know, handling data problems will really increase. Imagine what you'd have done in three months, in six months, right? So, I wouldn't really say it's difficult. All right, that's uh, interesting and uh, quite exciting. So let me. Take you back a bit. I mean, you mentioned that uh, you studied health informatics prior yeah. to getting this role or landing this job. So, what was your experience like? I mean, studying health informatics because you're coming from a pharmacy background, and was it difficult? What, what was it like generally? Oh well, <laughs> that's a that's a very interesting question because. <laughs> While I was doing this course, while I was studying health informatics, it felt like I had no bearing, to be honest. It felt like I didn't even know what I was doing. But, yeah. you know, now being in the in the field, in the industry, I, I can see every single thing that I've learned, you know, in the course playing out. Right? Okay. And, and it all, health informatics is a multidisciplinary subject, basically it's it has to do with how you are able to you know collaborate with people first yeah. of all you know understand health technologies how you use them and eventually how all these you know factors come together to improve you know general healthcare um, you know service you know basically that's what i would summarize health informatics to be it's not just a single simple subject really it's a it's quite a wide concept and it's a multi-disciplinary um, concept and health informatics from what i have you know seen it to be you know would really expose you to you know what your interests could be you know like i have i have colleagues who studied health informatics and some of them are you know doing project management you know terms yeah. of you know implementing health technologies in health institutions i am doing data analysis right i have another colleague who is into hardcore you know development you know with a with a tech with, with a tech company so there's so many things you can do but having that vision you know knowing you know where what you want to do with you know what you're learning you know is what really drives you and the health informatics knowledge is just like a background a background knowledge you have that you know just propels you to do some of those things that you really want to do yeah okay so and um you wouldn't say on a scale of uh, probably one to five i mean because um, i usually get this question is it yeah. difficult to study health informatics you know and I said that one. I don't know. So let me put it to you now. Is it difficult? <laughs> well, well, to be honest, I really don't think anything is difficult. Like I said earlier, 
it all really depends on how you apply yourself and you know if you're interested if you're interested in what you're doing you'll find a way but in terms of efforts the efforts that is required you know to study um i'll be specific being an immigrant you know coming to the uk without student loan you know you have to work to yeah to be able to, you know, some people maybe even complete paying your school fees, you know, pay your rent, feed and everything. I think that's what will really be the difficulty there, you know, combining studying with doing all those many different things, right? And like I said, while you're studying health informatics, you start to think of, oh, how can I apply myself? How can I apply this knowledge I'm, you know, getting in terms of like, you know, practicing professionally, right so yeah being in that being in that space mentally physically and everything is what is really draining right because while you're thinking about all those things you're thinking about you know other skills you could be doing you know you may want to you know get some certifications in the bag you may want to be learning some of these skills that are required in the industry right and also combining it with what they are teaching so that's really the difficulty there so once you're able to manage your time, you know, be able to, you know, put your put your activities in order in terms of your work, your study time, your, you know, personal development time, I think you would have pretty much figured everything out, really. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's it. At least that's what it was for me. You know, I really didn't find the course in itself difficult. It was... You know, trying to combine everything I had to do, you know, at the same time, that was, you know, a bit of a challenge. But yeah. eventually, it was okay. It was good. We figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I know, I mean, a lot of persons uh, who don't have any, um, what I call it now, technology background, really, are able yeah. to, you know, get into the program, do it seamlessly, and leave really so yeah basically it's really all about the dedication and maybe commitments like you said yeah. yeah to get it done yeah so looking at how fast-paced the the tech world is really because i mean things are changing every every second every, every minute every yeah second. so how do you manage to you know, keep abreast of um, you know tech and you know trends in this space and being able to you know always position yourself for opportunities in those areas mm -hmm. it's i think it all boils down to being innovative to be honest like yeah, yeah there are so many you could learn a particular technology stack and get stuck in it if you do not want to improve and if you're working and you know what you you're using in your institution is it could be pretty much fixed because there are so many things that are routine in healthcare in terms yeah. of what you need to output you know for as part work right yeah but if you wanted to continue to improve on your work as a person that has improved on your own personal standards, then that's where digging deep comes in. 
So for me, it's just, I keep refreshing my knowledge, basically try to, you know, go, there are so many tech forums on online, even Stack Overflow, you could find a lot of, you know, new things there. So for me, that's basically what I do. And I try to also stay updated to, you know, new releases. What I mostly use in my work is Power BI, right? And the Microsoft, you know, um, tools. So what I do is stay up to date with new releases, all the updates, you know, that are, you know, being released for each of the softwares. Yeah. And basically that's, and yeah, that's really it, really. That's cool because again, I think um, different approaches work for different um, persons. Yeah. Uh, like for myself, I tend to subscribe to you know newsletters that I think are relevant to my area yeah. because I read a lot, really. So relevant newsletters work for me. So every week, uh, I get notification on what's going on in the industry and all of that. And I think I follow a couple of persons on LinkedIn who are like yeah. you know, at the forefront of whole yeah. tech stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they, they, they write almost every day. So I really find their newsletters quite informative. I think that yeah. was, uh, yes. works for me. Really. Exactly. I, I do that too. Like um, Medium, you know, this blog. Yeah, Medium. Uh, yeah. Medium. Yeah. I use Medium a lot to, you know, stay updated and to even learn. Because there are a lot of guys who, you know, put up some, you know, tricks, tricks of, you know, how to quickly do some things there. And it's been really helpful. And on Twitter as well, I subscribe to, like, I've forgotten what they call it now. But, like, technology, right? If you go on Twitter, there are some tags you can subscribe to, Twitter, right? Okay. Yeah, I subscribe to the technology tag and I get a lot of, you know daily breakdown of updates you know i'm currently from twitter very becoming very interested in using chat gpt now yeah. and uh, because of you know the way it's been hyped and i really want to see what it's about so yeah so those social media is also very good as well okay i think uh somebody has a question here okay uh Suleiman says what work can in nigerian doctor over there, start practicing one's profession. <laughs> well, I think I'll probably just chip in uh, a couple of um, ideas or answers. So, again, in terms of work, really, it depends on you what you're looking for. Uh, <clears throat> I know a couple of persons moved to the UK and uh, probably uh, take a master's, maybe in public health. I think public health most popular MSc for doctors. Yeah. While they are at it, they try to finish up the PLAP 1 and PLAP 2 mm -hmm. um, exams, get their GMC license, and quickly uh, get into clinical practice. But for those who are looking at doing something else aside the clinical profession, there's a lot to do, really. I mean, uh, like Tony mentioned, there's project management. There is a lot of uh, project management roles in the UK. So it's all about you positioning yourself, taking the relevant certifications, uh, Prince 2, to be precise. I think that's what works for the UK. And, um, you know, find yourself there. There are product roles. 
which don't allow you, I mean, you don't need to know how to code to be maybe a product manager or a product owner and yeah. all of that. You have research, you know, uh, clinical research, you have uh, UX research, that's user experience research, you have uh, UI research, user interface research. So these are also possible jobs I can do. You can go into project support. I know there are a lot of project support officer roles. And some of them, them I've seen, uh, they don't require you to you know, have a tool per se. So it's all about looking at the details and figuring it out. You have research support officer roles. Uh, those who might be a little bit, um, you know, tech inclined or digitally savvy per se, you could land roles in communications, you know, um, social media communications, digital marketing. So these are just possible examples of what a, a doctor can actually do. I know a lot of doctors who are project managers in the UK and they're doing quite well for themselves. So I hope that, um, Suleiman, if you're still asking, I hope that gives a little clarity as to what um you're asking then uh i think somebody okay let me pull this up for you uh this is from caramel phillips so as a pharmacist who wants to do a master's in health informatics what skills and knowledge can help out so let me put this to you tony <laughs> yeah well that's that's um, a really interesting question and like i said earlier right health informatics is really is a broad topic and it's a multidisciplinary one right even the definition of um you know health informatics incorporates that term you know multidisciplinary so yeah it's it's really not one it's really not one thing per se right so and the in terms of skills and knowledge it really just depends on your interest health informatics is basically about improving healthcare using technology and you know other organized systems really and it has to do with collaboration so those are soft skills that are needed collaboration you know and i having an eye for detail you know being a good manager so that's why a lot of people you know study health informatics and are able to you know go into project management right and you know um project management as we know is mostly you know your ability to you know organize people collaborate with people implement you know documentation skills and you know all of that communication skills so there are a lot of soft skills in, involved in you know health informatics and if you wanted to be you know more technical as well a lot of you know health informatics related jobs now are having to do with you know data you know yeah um like for my role information analyst you know i've had to you know pick up data analysis skills in terms of like you know learning power bi using excel python you know at various you know stages you know so far you know in my you know health informatics journey so if you wanted to be a bit more technical yes it's very good to you know try to pick up on some you know tech skills especially sql 
SQL, you know, Excel, as simple as those may be, they may just be all you need to be able to land a very good job, you know, within this space, right? Yeah. So other than that, you're already a pharmacist, right? The healthcare knowledge is important in this space. And all that means is that you should be able to find a way to marry all these things you're, you're learning in terms of the skills and the knowledge you're gathering, you know, to combine with how to actually you know, bring about improvement, you know, in your in your specific field. So what I would say in summary here is that don't bother too much about, you know, picking up so much skills. I think the first point, point of call is determining what you actually really want to do as a professional, right? Once you're able to determine that, and then, of course, determining that will depend on what are your strengths? Do you think you would be able to function as a technical professional? Do you, do you think you're good with coding, right? Or you, you're more better with, you know, managing people, you know, working as part of a team, you know? So those are some of the things you should, you know, spend your time to think about. And once you've been able to figure those out, then you now look at the specific skills that are required for you know those particular you know professional professional um, work. I think that's basically the summary. It's not something I can say. Okay, you go learn this, go learn that. It cannot <laughs> be that simple for everybody because different people have different interests, right? So once yeah, you sort of figured out your interests, then you you can easily find out what you need you know, to excel there. Yeah, I, I quite agree with you because um, I think most times the focus seems to be more on the soft skills part of things. You yeah. know, um, can you work in a team or as a team member? Uh, how good is your communication skills? How good is your presentation skills? How good is yeah. your writing skills? Uh, how good are you at conflict resolution? You know. So these are some of the key things I think uh, most employers look out for. Yeah. And um, yeah, and looking at the clinical part of things, I mean, you've been working as a team member. I mean, no healthcare worker works in isolation. So a lot of the transferable skills you have in medicine or clinical care or whatever, you can actually uh, comfortably bring them over to this, uh, you know, tech side of things or information analyst or whatever group, then you now figure out the specific tools that you need to learn. Um, yeah. That's the hard part now, the hard skills. And you take it up uh, from there. And I think, yes, I also like what you said about uh, the SWOT analysis. I mean, people should be able to, you know, do a self-swap analysis. What are my strengths, weaknesses, and all of that? Yeah. And I think that sort of gives a clarity as to what you're looking for. Because again, some yeah. people just jump because everybody's jumping. Yeah. So, and when they get into the deep part of the ocean, they're like, why am I here? And all of that. So, Caramel, yeah. uh, I hope that um, gives a little bit of um, insight as to, or clarity as to your question. Then uh, Chris, Rebecca is saying, what's, what is really the difference between 
project uh, management and the product management. Mm -hmm. Well, um, let me just chip in my own small kidney. So it's, I think it's clear cut really. Uh, I mean, if you're looking at the product, it's either maybe a physical object or probably a software or application that somebody gets to use at the end of the day. You know, I download an app and I use it, it's a product, right? Then a project is uh, basically like a plan with a series of events that has a defined outcome and has a start and end date and usually ends when you know you've achieved your deliverables per se you know <clears throat> so if i'm going to release a mobile application that process has a plan so the app is a product then the series of steps is the project plan so you have two different persons who manage this independently though i know in some organizations the project manager also functions as the product manager, which really shouldn't be the case, but that's fine. You know, so the product manager basically sets the strategy, uh, clearly defines what are the product features, what is this going to have, and all of that. Uh, when are we going to release it? Who are our customers and all of that? So the product owner or the product manager defines all of this. While the project guy now comes, okay, this is the plan, then he really executes the plan. Okay, these are the steps we need to take. Could we need to bring talk to him? You know? So I think that's basically what um, the difference from my own uh, perspective between project management and product management. So there are two different career pathways, really. And um, again, it's something a clinician or pharmacist or nurse can comfortably um, do if they really want to do so um from from if i would just add a you know chip something to that from just what i have you know gathered you know yeah in the in the sector product management from to be very honest is it seems to be specific to the tech industry these days yeah right it's specific to the tech industry these days but projects are anything you can implement anywhere right and managing a product is just like project management is all these things you need to implement from the start of the project in terms of the you know planning the product designing it testing it to the end to the finish line where the person will eventually use it so yeah. if if you really want to look at it it would be from the idea of the output itself so what is the end product of this process so for products it's mostly a something that is to be used but for projects it could just simply be a service right as simple as just a you know simple thing so it's that's the way i would look at that mm -hmm. may, the process may not be clear cut in terms of what you need to do in planning the project or the product yeah you know, the design, the testing, you know, and all of that, but the end product itself is what really, you know, differentiates them. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Then coming to, I mean, getting the job proper, how easy is it to get these jobs in the UK? I get that question a lot, you know, yeah. so, so people like, I know, once we finish, we just get the work, uh, since the jobs are there, how easy? 
from your own experience to land these jobs? This is this is the you know reality reality check now <laughs> because <laughs> you know for to be honest for most of us that are migrating from you know smaller countries to the UK the the hope is that after your program you'd at least be able to you know work you know some you know earn some money build some experience even if you really want to go back home you know to you know continue your your career but to be honest the the process could be challenging for for some people but it could also be very easy for some people i have seen someone who on their first application got a job yeah right yeah but for me i had to apply i, I should say okay roughly about 30 applications i submitted within a space of about three months <laughs> right and i was able to get some interviews i did about to 10 interviews i couldn't really traveled for some but was able to eventually land one but the truth is is the process and while you're in this process you can't really be discouraged especially if you know what you're aiming towards yeah. right so it's really it really depends on the person and their circumstance really for example it may not just be you may you may have applied and may not have gotten the role it's not because you really do not know what is expected during the interview or whatever it could just be because you live at a very far distance away from the job and they probably yeah. need someone who is closer okay. right so there are so many things it could be your visa your visa could be expiring and they would say, okay, maybe they needed someone with a longer term visa, or they okay. wanted someone who, you know, just more settled, maybe someone who has a car, because you needed to visit other sites, you know, yeah. of the so there are so many reasons why one may not get the job. But for me, I had to submit a couple of applications. I have to tweak, I had to tweak my CV, you know, at certain points after you know doing some interviews you know listening to the feedback i had to you know try to reorganize my cv in a certain way reorganize my you know communication skills in a certain way yeah you know, and um collaborating like asking questions is really important after doing a couple of these interviews it was i found i found that it was really difficult for me to get a job <laughs> I spoke with a colleague of mine who I'm currently talking with, <laughs> Ronald, you know, and, you know, most of the interviews I had to do, it was a bit different from what I was used to because for, for the roles I was applying for, information analyst and data analyst roles, before the interview, they would mostly send me a certain, you know, block of data like analyze this come and do a presentation to us and everything so i know my analysis skills are good i know you know my ability to you know draw up a presentation is good yeah. but communicating you know some you know findings and all was what i discovered was a bit of a challenge to me because i'm not someone I found that I was not really, you know, good with, you know, facing audience and everything. So a night before the interview, I spoke with, you know, my friend and we're able to run through some things, you know, and share knowledge here, share knowledge there. 
talked about certain your disposition, facial expression, ability to answer questions in a certain way, in an organized way. You know, that was when I really started to implement the STAR approach of answering questions. I'm sure you know what the STAR approach means. is the situation, you know, task, action, and results, you know, approach of answering questions. And that really changed everything for me. It really changed everything for me to the extent that I attended an interview and, you know, the person who interviewed me was so impressed and like, I am just the person they need. And even before I left, you know, where the interview venue, they sent me, you know, an employment, um, you know, notification that I've been taking. So asking questions, trying to identify what your weaknesses are, if especially if you've done a couple of interviews and you've seen that you've not, you've not been successful, ask for feedback, you know, and improve on, you know, what you have been told. And within a short yeah. time, you definitely get something. Then um, that, I think that's fine because again, um, I don't see the benefit in uh, doing things in silos really, because I think uh, I mean some people might be ahead of the curve, you know, when it comes yeah. to certain um, areas. So there's no use, you know, struggling when you really have people that okay, maybe they've got yeah. this job or they're in this space. I mean, so it's good to usually ask those questions, you know, reach out, see if these are my issues. And I, I think it makes the journey easier, really. Yeah, very well. Then talking about the uh, portfolio, because uh, I know portfolio is something that is very, uh, uh, what's the word now, popular in the tech space. So did you have to build any portfolio to present to them? To say this is all the things I've done so far in terms of being an analyst or information analyst or something. Well, your portfolio is really your experience, really. It's the many, many may not even care to know what you've done before, just be able to tell them. You know, they they may not really care to see it, you know, but just be able to explain to them what you can do. And for being in the tech space, I think the the interview process sometimes may be a bit straightforward in the sense that they want you to prove yourself. They want you to be able to prove what you can do, right? Yeah. And doing that, you need to know the terms. You need to know the language to use. You need to know how to reference previous mm -hmm. projects, you know. Also, using the STAR approach to let them know you know the situations you've been in before the task you you were probably had to handle the actions you took you know and the results that you got out of those and how it's really affected the project or you know whatever it is that was the reason you did that work at the time so if you're able to prove this to them so they already know that you know what you're doing they know you know the technology they know you know uh, the problems that are you know that you could face in that kind of a setting and you know the actions to take to be able to do certain things right so it's just you being able to tell them because they know these things as well but they want you to be able to prove it so really that that was that was it for me there was really no need to build to you know present portfolios of what i've done yes i do have a github 
yes it's very important that you store your work and in fact put it on your cv you know i put my github link on my cv and i've seen some several times where people have you know checked my you know my work and everything there so but nobody has specifically been like okay show us what you've done before they just be like okay tell us about your previous experience right. <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's true but again some some recruiters might also want to uh, true you know want a what's the word now hands-on demonstration you know i remember true. i went for one interview uh i think the first part of the interview was um gave us a data set you know then gave us uh, some basic um, excel functions to to perform on the data set you know do the uh, the vlookup uh, sorting filtering uh, formatting conditional formatting and all of those busy basic, basic uh, excel genie mm -hmm. here so i mean i think some people struggled with that uh, then i think those who are a bit conversant with basic excel to were able to you know do schedule what they were asked to do so yeah i think uh, yeah i think that's 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 mostly the process you know okay what i understood by portfolio is probably maybe having a repository of yeah, your previous yeah. projects you know but for me i never really faced that but in terms of what you just talked about now in the interviews right yeah. in fact all the interviews i had i had to do this in one form or the other is that i did it live you know where you know the people watched me you know yeah. do this analysis you know manipulate data in a certain way or they give me a set of data some days before my interview right and like okay do this analysis they ask you a couple of questions come out with certain outputs you know and you come and present you know what you found to them so most of the time you have this kind of demonstration sort of interview process right yeah. just to de demonstrate your skills and ability to be able to solve problems yeah, yeah. that's very that's very valid that's um thanks for that and uh i think my last question will probably be uh i mean so what advice do you have for pharmacists who are considering um, the the thought of transitioning from pharmacy to becoming an information analyst or data analyst or, yeah i would say be prepared for the process because yeah. it might it might be a long process <laughs> right because um transitioning from one sort of thinking clinical thinking right to mm -hmm. to coding to a kind of logical mathematical thinking you know maybe a bit of a switch for some people yeah. right and there may be a bit of learning curve depends on how you are approaching your you know your tech career right for example to be honest there is no um technology stack that you want to learn that you will not put in effort right so there's a yeah. bit of effort to it and you know, like I said earlier, combining certain of these things, learning, trying to, you know, practice, improve yourself, and combining that with, you know, normal life activities, maybe a bit of a stress, 
you know so it's just mental preparation for the process prepare for it but go for it do not be discouraged at all by any difficulty that it may you may you may face because it's it's an extremely rewarding um, you know thing to do i think i have found fulfillment i'm not tired of being called a pharmacist right <laughs> but but being having this knowledge where i know that i can you know use data to improve certain clinical or healthcare decisions have really given me that you know sort of confidence to know that there's a there's a bright future you know ahead and also seeing how technology is doing wonders you know in the healthcare space it gives you that sort of you know encouragement that you continue to remain relevant yeah in the in the system you know as time goes on you know in the future so it's an extremely rewarding and fulfilling thing to do but just be prepared to put in the work and you'll be very happy for it yeah so if you're a pharmacist watching so be ready to you know put in the work required to get to um or become an information analyst then talking about being rewarding when you look at your life as a as a clinical pharmacist and information analysis what are there any differences i'm more stressed <laughs> i am more stressed but yeah that's on a more personal you know basis i just need to you know put my put my things in order and you know organize my time better but yeah the the difference is that i am more focused right now on you know certain things you know in you know dev, you know adding more to what you know could be could be termed as improving the healthcare process right because as a data analyst in this field a pharmacy information analyst whatever i do is not really just on a one-on-one -on -one basis with a patient i'm not handing out medications to a patient and counseling the patient on how to use it right i am using my knowledge and you know the output from my work to advise yeah. you know the hospital the institution my managers on the interventions and decisions you know that can be taken to improve the process of healthcare delivery right so it's on a more wider scale right so my focus now is on you know how to continue to do that you know so that at the end of the day you could say okay anthony brought up this setting you know recommended this certain policy that has you know saved so many lives and all that so it's to just be more you know relevant you know as a person personally that's what i would say has been the difference for me so i've graduated from you know that small thinking to the big picture thinking to big picture thinking yeah. <laughs> and in, in terms of uh, career progression what does it look like because um, i think somebody just sent me that dm what does career okay. progression look like you know, no you career progression is really dependent on you and the pace you want to go De definitely we know that um technology is really fast-paced especially with regards to doing it in in health right you could choose to if you wanted to become a data analyst today i'm focusing on this because that's what i'm you know 
I'm telling people about this because that's what my, my focus is on. If you wanted to become a data analyst or data scientist, you know, today as a health professional, there are so many paths you can take. You can either choose to go into the academia to become a data, you know, health researcher, right? And there are so many paths to doing that. You could become simply a data analyst with any private healthcare organization. You could work with pharmaceutical, you know, companies, yeah. right? You could work in the NHS if you're in the UK, right? So there's so many parts. And the truth is that the demand for these professionals are everywhere, right? So, and the way the UK um, work is organized is so long as you build your skill and you know what you're doing, you could choose the job that you want to do, Yeah. right? So it really depends on how much you want to progress as a person, right? If you wanted yeah. to remain loyal in one company, you know, work your way up, the positions are there. Like I'm currently employed as a band five information analyst. There are yeah. band six roles, there are the band seven roles, right? So you could work your way up the ladder. But if you wanted to say, okay, I've gotten enough experience and I wanted to, you know, try out something in another organization, you know, they pay better. It's just as simple as applying for the job, doing an interview and getting a new job. So it all depends on how much you really want to to do and how you want to approach your career. Yeah, all right. That's that's fine too. I mean, like I used to say also information analysts they're actually in demand you know and uh, i mean a lot of organizations are collecting data now uh, in the healthcare space a lot of uh, softwares application picking data left right and center so i'm not sure you can always uh, have enough of um, data analysts to you know, sort your data uh, filter out um, actionable insights and make recommendations for the organization to you know, you know decide whatever they want to do with that data really so they will always be um, in demand uh, let me i'm just trying to check if there is any other question we haven't answered before we sign out it's almost uh, one hour you know, time flies when you're having an interesting conversation. Right. Let's see. Let's see. This is YouTube. Okay. So there are no more questions. So, yeah. Thank you so much, um, Tony, for, you know, giving us a large chunk of your time. You know, I know in the UK, time is money, but uh, <laughs> you've given us a <laughs> free one hour without the so for those watching um, my pleasure yeah this video will still be up on my feed so in case you want to come back to look at it or there's something you think you might have missed um okay <laughs> somebody just asked the question we will just quickly take that before, before we log out so it said uh, how long did it take you to transition and land a job, meaning the period of learning and when did you convince yourself you were ready to work in tech? Oh, very interesting question. Right. Um, so I think this will really, you know, give me an opportunity to talk about my journey, right? So far yeah. from Nigeria, I really started, you know, developing interest in, in picking up 
certain data analysis skills. I've always been a data person. I, of course, yes, I tried, you know, web development at the point, tried, you know, the normal, the normal way almost everybody gets into the coding business, you know, learn HTML, CSS, and then you want to build a very pretty website. But I soon discovered that that wasn't really for me, right? So that was when um, I tried my hands on a couple of data sets on cargo, you know, checked, you know, some of the work that was done there and really found interest, you know, in what was being done. So if you wanted to check cargo, get some inspiration of, you know, how to do certain analysis, you could go there. Right. So that was really where my interest started picking up in, you know, data. And I quickly started learning Python, right? Did some things with Excel. I volunteered for an organization in Nigeria just before I traveled and what they basically used was Excel. They used Excel to do some magic I've never seen, right? So that was when I really started to do certain things with Excel and, you know, yeah, registered for a bootcamp, you know, where they taught Power BI, Microsoft SQL Server, but I never really paid so much attention. It was something I did for about a month and I dropped, you know, but when I really, really started, you know, being confident in working was when I did an internship here in the UK with University of Dundee, right? The internship was something I applied for in passing. I just saw it online one day and I'm like, okay, let's apply for this. It was a summer internship that was to start in July. I applied for it in what, in November? Yeah, in November. So. I even forgotten that I had applied for that. But towards February, March, they sent an email. I got in the got into the internship, started in July. And it was I was, you know, arranged, you know, it was arranged that I would work with a, a researcher, a clinical researcher who wanted to who was asking the question how you know how to identify colorectal cancer, you know, earlier on, you know, even before diagnosis. So we had to work with a lot of data, a very large chunk of data, population data. So this was real world data. It was what really exposed me to, you know, the possibilities that data could do in health. Right. So we gathered some of this data, analyzed it. I was in fact the first person to work on this data. That was what really made it interesting. Right. So did that and we got some really pretty results that was mind-blowing to me right and because i was you know the major data analyst on that job and yeah. that i had to you know learn my way up in terms of i mentioned earlier that i was the first person to work with the data working with new data is not an easy job because you have to clean it you have to understand the data understand what you need what you can get out of the data so it was a very long process of studies and developing and trying to upskill. You know, I spent a lot of time on Stack Overflow, spent a lot of time on YouTube learning, right? So after that project, it really gave me the confidence that I was ready to, you know, pick up a job, yeah. you know, in the sector. So, and that's what I would really advise anybody to do. Pick up real life projects, right? If you wanted to have developed that confidence and, you know, clarity, that you are ready, pick up a real life project, collaborate with people, 
you know and do it see how much you are able to you know contribute to a team you know you may not be very perfect with your data analysis skills but working with other people will you know expose you to certain things that you can learn and also gives you opportunity to talk, to ask questions you know from other people especially if they are more developed than you right so yeah yeah that was really the game changer for me picking up that project and doing it completing it and you know i felt i was ready yeah just to add uh Freeman, if you're still watching so in terms of the you know length of transition really there is no clear cut timeline because i mean <clears throat> some people it takes them one month like tony said earlier some people just make one application and boom they have a job already uh he had to do 30 applications before he could get a job i know people who have done 400 applications before they could get a job really so there's no defined timelines really you know uh, i think from the point of transition you're mentioning so he came to the uk uh, did this MSc and got a job. So, so probably you probably say that's like one year or a year and six months. Uh, that's the, I'm just trying to calculate that timeline, really. But for getting a job, mm -hmm. there is no clear-cut timelines to that. I think we, we need to be clear on that because there are a lot of factors mm -hmm. that influence getting a job in the United States. Uh, Kingdom. So it's not as straightforward as a lot of people um, think it does. Then uh, I hope that answers your question. Then uh, somebody just popped in this. What is the name of the internship and how can one get on projects to practice uh, skill sets learned? Yeah. Um, well, the internship I did was the Health Data Research UK Black Internship Program. Right. It normally runs during the the application usually opens at the end of the year, um, sometime around November. So just be on the lookout then. You could also get into that program through the 10,000 Black Interns program that is, you know, run in the UK. You see that these are very these are very legit you know, internships and they are even paid internships. They pay you for every hour you work, right? so be on the lookout for these it's as an addition it's also you know i would also advise um, people to to look out for boot camps right there are a lot of boot camps especially here in the uk there's one that is sponsored by the department of education right you can find that on the gov.uk website if you google boot camps uk government you should be able to see that that link right there Right. So you could pick up a particular bootcamp that suits your interest. There are some that are related to, you know, hardcore coding, you know, and all that. So you could pick up anyone from there. There are so many others. These are just two that I'm mentioning. But if you go on Google and you, you know, search for bootcamps in the UK or even internships, you'll be able to see a couple, yeah, a couple that you could get into for free. Then um, also, I think um, I took this um, Google Data Analytics course. You know, that I haven't finished yet. I think uh, 
I'm at the stage where I should be doing my capstone project because of one thing or the other. I haven't really had time to do that. But I think from that uh, program, you're able to know there are a lot of uh, free uh, or open data sets out there because I usually get this question, where do I get data to work with? You know, So I think Cargo has a lot of data sets that you can actually pull to um, to work on, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you download the Excel sheets, you see tons of data, so you can do whatever type of analysis you want to do. Uh, yeah. Then I also know uh, a lot of healthcare data in the UK, I think they have some open data sets that you can pull and work with. So I just thought I should uh, mention that. Yeah. Even even on GitHub, you'd be able to find a lot yeah, of uh, yeah. projects, a lot of work, including the data that was used for the projects. You know, just in case you wanted to see how people build up, you know, an analysis project or a coding project, right? Yeah. So you could see how they, you know, coded the program and the outputs they got and the data they've used for you know what they did so go on github create a github account is very very important and github is also very essential in the sense that if you get a lot of benefits and offers if you're a student so if you if you um, check education.github.com right you could sign up as a student you could just it's as simple as you know uploading your student id card and filling the entering your student email, right? You could get, that's also how you get the three months free subscription on Datacamp, yeah. right? Because that offer is being um, given through GitHub. So if you Google education again on education.github.com and sign up with them, you'd be able to get a lot of offers. And you could even get free, you know, Microsoft Visual Studio Code, um, you know, lessons, a lot of offers on there, right, on GitHub, and a lot of resources and materials on GitHub. Yeah. All right. Thanks for that. Uh, Gideon is asking, would you recommend any sequence to learning data analytic tools or, or can one pick any tool to learn? So okay. probably like Excel, SQL, Tableau, or is there any yeah. other that learning? It's a very interesting question because this is one thing that is very difficult for, for starters. It was one of the most difficult things for me. And it's as simple as start from the basics, right? Start from Excel. You could pick up SQL and then simply maybe power bi or tableau depends on what really resonates with you a lot of people would want to you know do tableau and power bi together i recommend it it's not i don't i'm not against it at all but to be very honest with you you need to understand the industry you are going into and what is properly and what is you know probably being used there from my discovery in the uk and especially in the nhs right what is mostly used are the Microsoft tools, right? Because it's like a network. So they use the SSMS, which they use for the SQL, that's you learn. Yeah, this is the main point with SQL. When you're learning SQL, SQL could come in different varieties. There's the MySQL, there's the 
TSQL, which is the Microsoft version. There's the Oracle SQL, right? And there's the SQL Lite, right? For the industry in the UK, the the SQL version that is used is the T-SQL, uh, the TSQL, okay. right? That's the Microsoft version, right? So, and learning that will also come with learning SSMS, which is the SQL Server Management Studio, right? And yeah, just basically all those Microsoft um, tools. Power BI is a Microsoft tool. You could get free Power BI desktop on your laptop, right? And use it to practice. You know, so go from the basics, what you consider the basics. And what I consider the basics is Excel, SQL, Power BI, right? And if you wanted to learn um, SSROS or SSIS, which are the integration service and the analysis service that S um, Microsoft offers, it's also very valid. Once you've been able to capture this, you know, tools you've been able to like know how to use them properly you do a job in no sooner in no sooner time and from then yes you can graduate then to maybe learning python you know, which are the big boys and then maybe r if you're interested in all that but work your way up all right thanks for that this is going to be the last question any other person that has any question they should please uh, send you a dm um, okay, sure. so this is from okonji uh so saying uh, would you say there are any peculiarities with analyzing healthcare data in particular uh well it's just like every other data it's um healthcare data is the handling that is important in terms of there are a lot of privacy considerations, a lot of security considerations, because you, are, you may probably be dealing with personal health data and there are a lot of confidentiality policies, um, confidentiality policies associated with health data, right? So it's basically how you use it, how you store it, but it's no different from the general process of analyzing data. The general process starts with cleaning, you know, getting the data first, right? And then understanding the data, cleaning it, you know, doing all the pre-processing -pre procedures that you need to do, exploring, doing exploratory analysis before you maybe, maybe say, okay, you want to do some statistical analysis or whatever it is that is required to get yeah. the, the answers that you're looking out for in the data. But there's really no difference in, you know, normal, doing normal analysis with data. What I would say is probably different would be the answers that you're looking for. Like for example, being in the healthcare industry and you'd need to know what are the metrics that are that you'll be looking for, right? Let's say you're working with hospital data and you, you want to find out what are the waiting times in the emergency department or what particular drugs are being consumed the most in a particular unit, right? You That is different from you wanting to measure maybe profit margin if we are working with the bank or maybe another financial institution. So building yourself up on some of those metrics and how to do those calculations, right? Maybe what may be a bit different 
right? So it may require some bit of specialization in that regard. But if you're working in a project, most projects would usually have KPIs that you'll be measuring, right? So it could just be specific KPIs for that project or for that particular report, right? That may, you may need to have the knowledge of, but it's really on the general basis in terms of data analysis process, it's not different. Thank you. Uh, from Naya, if you're still there, I hope um, this answers your question. Yes, it should. So, yes, uh, I won't be taking any other question, really, because I'm still getting DMs. So, uh, Tony has tried. <laughs> I don't mind. I, I, I really don't mind answering further questions if there, if there are any. <laughs> I really... Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, let me, just a minute, let me bring this up. Raise my Twitter. See. Somebody is asking for a salary. Now, how much are you people paid? <laughs> <laughs> you want to know my salary? <laughs> you have to pay me to reveal that information. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, so working in government, the salaries are fixed, to be honest. The, the NHS pays by, by pay bands, right? Yeah. So depends on the pay band of the job that you're applying for. Every, you can easily know what your salary is. Like from the band four, well, I'm really not so sure, but I think the band four would earn about 25,000 pounds a year. The band fives will end between twenty-seven to thirty-two thousand pounds a year, and yeah, it's categorized in that way, right? So, but if you're working in private, that's where the the big box, you know, comes in. You could charge, you know, if you're contracting, if you're maybe working as a contractor, you could charge per hour or per day of work and all that. There are some companies that pay as much as up to three fifty to five hundred. 50 or even up to 700 pounds per day you know wow. for for contracts for contractors yeah so yeah and then there are also private companies that can pay you up to sixty thousand, you know seventy thousand depends on the job requirements that you are doing right so but yeah in the nhs i'll consider those as the most senior roles right which you'll have to work your way towards but you can easily get some of those, you know, big, big money in the private sector, especially in the pharmaceutical industries. That that contract job sounds quite interesting, though. I mean, yeah. how many people end that amount of money in a day? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of money, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks for that, because again, I know. I mean, most of the, like you said, NHS pay bands. It's not the. It's not a secret it's it's open it's out there and uh any job you apply for you're able to see what pay band the the job the is job tied is to yeah. so there is really nothing hidden about it when somebody tells you i'm on the band five or band six band eight you automatically have an idea of how much the person is earning and all of that, unlike um, Nigeria, where you know some job adverts don't even come with salary description yeah. of the 
people are not really that open with it, how much they earn and all of that too. But that's a yeah. different uh, conversation altogether. Yeah. Thanks for that. Let me see if there are any other questions. I don't think there's any other question for now. So if you guys are watching, uh, if you're a pharmacist and uh, you're looking to transition to um, information analysis, uh, you can always talk to Todi. His um, Twitter handle is um, up there at Anthony Ehibari. You could send him a DM and um, yeah, he might not reply immediately because uh, work in the UK, I think it's 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 demanding. So, but I'm sure that yeah. we'll make out time to um, share with you guys. Then uh, let me see if I can pop up his LinkedIn profile i don't think so, are you able to share that i don't know yeah i think um can i share that let me see you can uh, pop, it, pop it up in the chat then um, i'll just okay. put it up on the screen so you okay. can also connect with him on uh, linkedin so send him messages uh <laughs> what's gideon saying that's many of us I want to join her, please. <laughs> you can pop him a message on LinkedIn, connect with him. So if there are any questions about transitioning, I think uh, he's in the best position to talk about that because it's he's been there and he's done it too. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, if you're new to this channel, I mean, we talk about everything healthcare, health tech, transitioning to you know different um, career paths. You're tired of clinical practice, either as a doctor, or nurse, or whatever. So those are some of the things we talk about on this platform. I make a lot of videos. Um, every new video drops on Friday by 8 p.m. Nigerian time, and then 7 p.m. UK time. So yes, you might want to subscribe if that's something you're interested in. And once in a while, I bring in persons who are on this journey or this career path that uh, I talk about to share their experience. Because I believe that um, hearing from people who have gone through that process makes more sense than just hearing it from um, someone else. Because I think, uh, a lot of persons are more convinced when they see people in those areas, you know. Uh, yeah. Is there a pharmacist that can become a data analyst or information analyst? Yes, where are they? Okay, see one of them here, you know. Is there somebody who is a doctor and is a project manager? Yes, yeah, see one of them, ask all the questions. So that is some of the things um, we try to do on this um, platform. So you could just subscribe and like i said uh this video will still be on my feed so you can always come back to it watch it share with your colleagues if you're a pharmacist i think you can share within your network so that other people see what opportunities are out there too because another thing i've realized is a lot of persons want to switch or want to pivot but because of information lack of information uh, they don't know what options they want to look out for. So if you're looking to moving away from pharmacy, clinical pharmacy practice, so being an information analyst is one of them. So, yeah, I think that's... Um, are you able to pop uh, the your LinkedIn profile in the chat? Yes, I've put that in the private chat. I don't know if you can see Ah, it. okay, 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 I've seen it. Don't worry. Um, yeah. Just 
I'll just um, also put in um, a few YouTube links where people could learn a couple of um, data analysis skills, like learn it on, on YouTube. These are. Um, so this is this LinkedIn profile. So you could just copy it out and connect with him. Uh, just give us a couple of seconds. We'll also share some of the resources that uh, be useful on your journey to becoming an information analyst. Um, yeah. As all tutorials. So. And if there are any career options you guys are looking to hear from or persons, I mean, you can always uh, pop a comment or send me a DM on YouTube, and I'll try to bring those persons to talk to you guys. Okay. So some um, YouTube channels, you can pick some of these um, essential skills, learn it, wise owl tutorials, BI elites, then uh, the education.github, what's that one for? Well, it's just for them to be able to, you know, get access to certain offers that GitHub, you know, pushes out occasionally. Right, they could get some, you know, um, like for example, I did mention that if you wanted to get the data camp subscription for three months, you have to go through GitHub. Okay. Right, create a GitHub account, um, put in your student email. This is this website is only for students, right? Put in your student email, search for the data camp subscription, right? Among the offers, that would be. You, after registering on that place, you could go to education. Oops, All right. Thank you so much for that. So on a final note, any last words, final words before we log out to everyone watching? Uh, well, thank you for for joining us. It's it's been a pleasure speaking with you know every one of you and you know attempting to answer some of the questions that you asked i know i'm not the best at you know communicating the things in my head <laughs> you know they're mostly just there i'm thinking of how to say it but i say something else <laughs> so i may not have answered your question properly but feel free to you know send a message send a dm i'll always find time to you know respond to as many questions as you know as possible yeah for my family. all right so yeah. from my side Thank you guys for watching as usual and hopefully we'll see you next week with another episode. Yeah. And bye for now. Bye.